You're listening to Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board, a podcast about life through the lens of music. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board. My name is J-Mac in St. Louis. Hey, and this is Sam Wade all the way out in Los Angeles. Sam, did you know we we have some international listeners? Uh, I did. I'm excited to talk about that. I just want to give a big shout out to our friends across the pond in Ireland. Ireland's been loving on us a lot lately. And maybe right. it has to do with David Sangster, the our friend from the UK. But it's it's exciting to see people from different parts of the world listening. So my, my family, uh, years and years and years ago, came from Ireland. So I feel kind of uh, kinship if you will. I love that. J-Mac is an Irish name. Oh, is it? Yeah, it is. It's an <laughs> Irish name. I just want to remind our listeners before we get started that a new episode of Two Tape Decks and a Mixing Board drops every Wednesday on pretty much all major streaming services. And then check in on Saturday with us for a B-side where we do something a little, little off, a little squirrely. Not necessarily music related. Sometimes it is. But it's just kind of our chance to kind of just go deep on something that we couldn't probably do a whole show about something usually absurd. Thanks to you, J Mac. Yes. Cause usually I'm in charge of it. Yes. I'm an, I'm an absurd person. It's fun. You know, we said before, it's a time just to kind of like not be so serious. It's good to be silly sometimes. It is. But why don't we introduce our guest, Sam? Cause we have a very talented guest waiting in the wings. I want to kind of get to him real quickly here before, uh, before we uh, bury him with B side talk. <laughs> well, J-Mac, we sure do have someone uh, really talented on the show today. I'm really excited to introduce songwriter, guitarist, and singer Ryan Taylor. He's currently one half of the North Texas rock band Yeah Huh, and formerly the frontman of the Dallas three-piece powerhouse Oil Boom. I'm stoked to have him on the show. Say what's up, Ryan. Hey, y'all. What's up? Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I've been listening now for a couple months and really enjoy what y'all are doing, just positive energy of the show and just the way you right guys on. talk about music i feel uh, a kinship with that so really appreciate you guys having me oh thanks man it's great to have you on i've been looking forward to it all week yeah we reconnected a little bit a couple weeks ago but yeah, yeah it feels like forever you guys know each other from back in the day as the kids are saying <laughs> <laughs> that's right ryan you want to do you want to talk about that a little bit yeah man um so i was in Previously, a band called Oil Boom, and it just so happened that the drummer of that band, Dugan, was mm. childhood friends with Sam, and there was a point where we were looking to have somebody sit in on keys, and I think we went out to St. Louis originally, where you were living, and yeah, um, maybe jam there, or maybe you came to Dallas, I can't remember first. Um, no, I think, you know, you know what it was? Uh, you guys were doing a show at that classic St. Louis venue off-Broadway, and... Yes. I think what, you know, I hadn't thought about this in a while. Um, I designed a t-shirt for you guys and then me and Dugan got to talking and, uh, he was like, you know, he invited me to sit in. I was like, hell yeah, I want to sit in, broke out the the Fender Rhodes and joined for a couple of songs. And I think after that, we were just like, Hey, we should jam for a while. And then ended up spending the summer touring with you guys. Yeah. It was a good time. Absolutely. Just kind of an interesting transformational period, I think for all of us and, you ended mm-hmm. up staying at my house for a little bit and yeah, just right. had a lot of good conversations about music and hanging out at record stores and um, going to see movies and yeah, good times. Yeah, man. man. 
It was good times. It was like a, a dazed and confused kind of a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. There, there's some fun shows. And then you guys, you know, uh, Oil Boom lasted for, for quite a while beyond that point. And I mean, anybody that's like, you know, curious about it should go and look up the music it's still out there on all the streaming services. That stuff is amazing. Uh, great, great band. Um, but I'm really, really stoked about what you're doing now with Yeah, huh? So it, it, this is a this is a duo. Is it is that right? Yeah, um, me and the other guitarist Kenny are kind of the driving force, and we've had some different people uh, playing with us. Uh, it's kind of been a weird trajectory, mostly because of the pandemic. Sure. Uh, right when we got started, everything kind of grinded to a halt, and at that point, we just kind of zeroed in on recording and yeah it's been kenny and i just kind of passing things back and forth through garage band and logic and um just working nice. up songs that way uh we did play a show i guess it's been a couple of weeks ago and that was uh oh, was wow. fun. so yeah it had been a long time right on well ryan you're the vocalist right i am i love your vocals dude i was listening to the song fine i'm yeah kind of a beatles vibe you nailed it, dude. I loved your vocals. I, I'm a singer. I sang in a cover band, which is kind of its own thing in, in and of itself for a few years. And you have to kind of learn to sing different things that you're not used to and adapt your voice. But I really, um, so I key in on vocals and I really dig your vocals. They're, they're, they're right in my wheelhouse. Oh, thanks so much, man. That, that really means a lot. Um, I have to say, actually, thinking back to that time with Sam, at the time where there was a different singer of the band and he had to leave for personal reasons, I found myself in this interesting spot of like, well, you know, I guess I can take over vocals and we can continue or we can just stop and maybe try to find someone else. But I know Sam was like really encouraging. So, man, I always appreciated that. Just kind of at that pivotal juncture of sometimes you need that that cheerleader to spur you on. So uh, thank you for that. For sure, man. You know, I think I think your vocals are um, signature. I think you know, it's definitely like like you know that you're listening to a band that you're in when you hear your vocals. So I love it. Well, it's hard being a vocalist because you're kind of the voice of the band and everybody, let's face it, if you hate the singer, you're not going to listen to the band. So that's a lot of pressure <laughs> on one guy. I mean, you, you, you could be indifferent about a guitar player, or a bass player, or even a drummer, but if you hate the singer, you're not, you're not going to dig the, the music. And that was the thing. When I was in a cover band, I was basically the singer and kind of the same reason because I wanted to start a band and nobody else wanted to sing. And I, I, I had sang for years, but not for three hours a night. And it was, a, it was a strain on my voice and I had to learn how to project. And it was it was a lot. So I don't think P, I don't I mean, vocalists get the kind of the, the stigma as being the divas of the band. <laughs> if your fingers hurt, you can still play. If your voice is jacked up, you, you're done. You can't do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I had to kind of learn that the hard way. I remember, like, with previous singers in bands, you know, give them a hard time if they were struggling vocally, like, come on, man, you know, you just need to pull it together, and we got we to gotta do the show. And then, of course, <laughs> there I am finding out, like, no, that's not how this works. I want to hear a whole lot more uh, about kind of how Yeha came together, what you guys have been up to. I definitely want to hear about the show you guys just played. Um, but before we get to that, I think we should play something for the, for our listeners so they can kind of hear what you guys are up to. Um, we had the song queued up, Head Voice. Is there anything you want to say to set this up before I play it, Ryan? No, man. Um, yeah, we just released it. I guess it's been about a month ago. 
I'm excited because it's been a long time since we put anything out. So, uh, yeah, just getting back to releasing things again is a really cool feeling. I feel like it just been so long and happy to have this one out there. Well, let's play Head Voice by Yeah, huh? That's got like some old school funk groove to it. Yeah, I think that rhythm pattern, that's definitely got some of that in there for sure. I dig it, man. Thank you. Now, where do you get your vocal inspiration for this? I'm assuming you write the lyrics too. I do. Um, you know, I don't tend to think about vocal inspiration that much as opposed to guitar, which is strange, but it's just the way I, I guess I work. Um, 
for that one, just kind of trying to tap into a little darker, something sounding kind of tough, but maybe a little vulnerable because you're talking about stuff that's going on in your head. So kind of bring that out in some way, I guess. There's an edge to it. I like it that you sound like you're borderline angry, but it's, but it's good. I love it. Where'd you guys uh, end up producing that track? When the pandemic started, it was like an opportunity for me to like revisit like how I make demos. And I ended up getting um, a Mac computer with GarageBand. And that was really my first time to ever do that and kind of opened up a lot of doors for me. So I just went nuts (laughs) writing like as much as I could. Yeah, I just kind of tried to tap into that momentum and inspiration while I had it. And yeah, did like guitar and vocals for that one. I mean, in fact, I remember writing that and I was leaving for a trip and like, just, I got to get this done for some reason. I just <laughs> had to make sure to get it done before the trip. The tip, typically the way we work is I will make a demo, usually just guitar and vocals and use like some drum track uh, from GarageBand, send it to Kenny, and then he kind of just deconstructs it and builds it back up. So he'll, you know, he'll put bass on it, maybe do some little bit of guitar stuff, uh, change the drums up different Mm -hmm. patterns and then we actually have uh, a live drummer come in in this case it was jordan elder who plays with us a lot nice Uh, so yeah he played drums and yeah from there we used a guy in philadelphia named ted young who mixed it that's great vibe man maybe maybe it was that that uh, urgency of trying to get it done quickly um that kind of captured some of that lightning in the bottle sound of that guitar vibe like what do you play on that like what's what's the setup there yes that was just a plug-in of i'm trying to think which one i even used um but i think you're right like i hadn't thought about that but yeah it's just there's kind of like a nervous tension it's just the way that rhythm is and that probably was like driving some of that it was a good choice you know i i think that it it's it's really appropriate for that track and sometimes, you know, what I really liked about what you said too, like that you kind of had this, um, this kind of new technology that kind of expanded, you know, the options that you would have when you, you know, got this, you started using GarageBand, but, you know, kind of like exploring that and then having the courage to jump into, you know, the stream and just kind of keep that momentum going. I, it, I, I think it, it did, at least in my observation, it helped to capture something that was right on for the track dude yeah i don't know how you guys are but like i feel like those ones that happen more quickly tend to end up being the ones that are the most memorable strangely i think if you're really having to fight through trying to get something done a lot of times it loses that whatever that initial yeah drive was that had you in that creative mode and you can almost hear that it's just like um just having to work so hard to force yourself to finish something. Whereas those ones that just come real quick um, Mm -hmm. tend to be the ones that I'm like, I like the most, but you know, there's something to be for, you know, editing and like revising lyrics and going back and doing stuff too. So there's that side as well, but just typically I think that's how I like to work. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a sense of sense of urgency in that song, and it almost reminds me like it would be in a movie where there was a montage of different people trying to like, prepare for like a heist almost like the remake of oceans 11 or something where everybody's scrambling around but but you're right i think there's something to be said for that lightning in a bottle kind of quick writing period 
Because sometimes what happens is you find the longer you work on something, maybe you start on something and you find out maybe two or three demos in, this isn't a very good song. That's why it's not sounding good. And sometimes it takes a while. So it's it's really exciting when something happens quickly and you know you hit you hit the mother load right away. And I feel like that's like I said, that song could be on a movie. I, I would pay to see that that in a movie. It's really it's really catchy. Rad, man. Let's let's make it happen. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think there's it, it is. Uh, I forgot what my point was before I started the sentence. What was my point? Did you I distract you, Sam? Out. No, it's you're. Yeah, no, no, you you didn't. Um, you just lost three Irish listeners with this, Sam. <laughs> oh, God, we just lost Ireland. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> oh, no. Now it's going to stay in the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I know what I know what I was going to say. You know, sometimes you it does seem like you have to slave away at a song. So, you know, sometimes the inspiration comes and it just needs to sit and like grow. And it's almost like it's it's just maturing over time. Maybe a little bit of experience helps that that song happen. Um, and those ones you kind of have to like tend to it like a garden sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a lot of times it'll end up, you know, maybe not working, but it'll give you another idea. But it's almost like you kind of have to wade through a lot of those ones um, and just kind of do the work. And it's then it's almost like tell me if you feel this way, Ryan, because it almost seems like sometimes if you keep it going and you're tending to that craft, you're ready to capture it when those sparks come. And because you've done the work before, then you can effectively just do one like that that's that's the good one you know mm-hmm. yeah no i think you're right I, I feel like i've experienced that and like you said just being consistent in the work and not getting too bogged down with those times where it is frustrating and you're feeling like it's getting away from you might be an opportunity to move on to something else like and maybe just in that small window that you've switched to something else this new idea will just come right out and right. then maybe you go back to the other old thing and then you have that momentum from the new idea and it's just this cool cycle that can repeat. I really feel like there's no there's no wasted recording that you do. Maybe maybe what you do isn't a keeper, but it may lead you to something like Sam was saying. I mean, I'm sure we've all wrote songs or scraps of songs that that later morphed into something, a part of something better than the original idea. And that's, that's kind of what, why you kind of have to leave it on the shelf sometimes and kind of come back to it. Because I mean, I've done, I've done vocal tracks and thought they were no good. And then listened back to them like a week or, or a month later and thought, what, what was I thinking? These are good tracks. By the same token, I've done things I thought were fabulous. Listened to them the next day and was like, <laughs> God, what was I thinking? So sometimes right. it's definitely, it's definitely a matter of, of waiting and seeing sometimes, but there's no such thing as a wasted recording. Maybe you don't want anybody to ever hear it, but it, I think everything is a, a brick in the wall, so to speak. Yes, I think that's very true. I I um trying to get my master's in counseling, and one thing they always say is everything is grist for the mill. So I think that's exactly the same sentiment. You know, one way or another, it's going to be useful. I like that. So Ryan, it, it, you know. How does this music translate to a live scenario for you guys? Like, because you're creating it kind of in 
this uh, this back and forth uh, way between you and Kenny. And then how are you guys translating that live? And then because you just did you said you just did a show like a few weeks ago. Uh huh. Yeah. So Jordan, the same guy that played on the drums for the recording, played drums live. And then uh, Kenny has a, a bass player friend named Jacob that um, they work together. Kenny plays guitar for Leon Bridges. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's awesome. So they've worked together with him. And so Jacob came and yeah, we just kind of chose from the songs that we had, some that we wanted to to do live and just kind of started that process over of building them back up. Maybe, you know, not taking everything verbatim from the recording, but putting our own spin for the live show. Love on that. It. I love it when songs, when you play them live, they can kind of like have their own little vibe. So I definitely, I dig what you're saying. Like, especially with like this one, there's that marimba keys part that's in the middle, but Kenny, he just played a guitar solo on that. It was really cool, but just took it in a whole nother direction live. And that's what's awesome about live music. You can do stuff like that. For sure. Being live is you don't have a net, you don't have a take two. And so it, in one sense, it can be intimidating, but in another sense, it's, it's a chance to do something that maybe, maybe you thought of doing on the original recording or maybe you thought of after it just kind of enables you to kind of like Bob Ross it paint happy little trees maybe where they're where the, you know what I'm saying just kind of yeah express yourself a little bit and the, in a cover band that was some of the funnest parts where where people were digging the song and maybe we were playing roadhouse blues or something where there was like a long stretch and we just kind of like monkey with it a little bit and it's not the same as doing original stuff but it definitely was fun to kind of stretch out and do something that maybe the audience didn't expect and just to be musicians just creating something it's really special and the, that's the only thing i really miss about playing in a cover band was the those those kind of moments i i mean i i could care less if i ever played jesse's girl again i think i think we could all agree to that but there was those moments where you just kind of broke off into something that was completely original and i imagine that that's got to be fun too as a live playing live to just kind of Stretch out, do something that maybe wasn't in the re- original recording, but feels right in the moment. Yeah, and it's just like a wide open canvas live. There's so many variables, you know, the venue, the audience, the distance from the stage to the crowd. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, just learning in the moment, like how to adapt and how to make these songs work at this particular place, at this particular night with these particular people. Yeah, because you're really playing to the crowd, and that's where, where that you really learn how to perform is maybe one song goes over really good in a certain crowd, another one doesn't, and knowing when to stretch it, when to, when to maybe pull it back, and when to really just get down, get down and dirty. Amen. So um, are you guys uh, writing more stuff right now? Like, What do we have to expect in the future for you now? Yeah, so we've kind of got a, just a mixture of songs that are like at various points in the recording process. Um, we almost have, we've got one totally, one song done and then another one almost done. So we might do another like three song EP. We're still deciding. We might just do some more singles. Um, depending on Kenny's schedule, he's about to start touring for quite a while. Yeah. Hopefully we'll, yeah, get, we want to have like a full album's worth hopefully within the year and like release right a proper on. album, but it's hard to know anymore. Like I don't, 
I don't know. Is it best to, you know, Sam, I know you're in this process right now. Like, is it best to do a full album? Is it best to tease along a bunch of singles or, you know, there's probably no right answer. Just do what you feel. Well, I I think first you have to do what you feel. Yeah. Right. I think that that's always good advice uh, for any songwriter or artist or performer. And I think all of us here on, on this chat can relate to that. Sometimes it's just, just just going and, doing something starting Mm -hmm. it making it happen um but there's a lot to be said for releasing singles right now especially in such a playlist driven um digital landscape right now i mean that's really where the where the where it's at like you know a lot of these stars and influencers and people that are getting these songs out the people get these songs out there through the playlist which is going to happen through a single it can happen through an album but I still think that there's something to be said for the commitment of making a full length record. It shows like a seriousness about what you're doing. Does that ring true with you, Ryan? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, like in a perfect world, I would love to just do albums and, and I think, yeah, the, I love what you like said about it shows the seriousness in the commitment. Um, and it's not that you can't have that with a single, but just the idea of like, man, we're going to, you know, roll up our sleeves. We're going to work through all these issues that are in, you know, they're, they're going to happen for sure, whether it's money or time or yep. finding the right studio and producer. And we're still going to make this happen because these songs mean something to us. Maybe there's a theme to the album or just this moment in your life that kind of represents those songs. Um, you know, I'm sure we're all, I think roughly the same age grew up mm-hmm. listening to albums. And, you know, I, <laughs> I just remember so often like listening to things from the first song to the last song. And that was just how you did it. And yeah. now, you know, I do find my own self getting distracted a lot more easily because of playlists, because of like algorithms and how they yep. can quickly turn you on to something else. And that's opened me up to a lot of cool music as well. But I do miss those days of just sitting with the album and kind of pushing everything else to the side. I'm totally with you, Ryan. I'm, I'm old school. I mean, I get the single driven mechanism, like the, the way it drives stuff. I mean, there's something to be said for that. Um, and, and let's not forget that's how, that's how things really started a long time ago with singles, but there's something about an album where you buy an album and you, it's kind of like, I think Sam has used the term intentional listening. That's mm-hmm. why I like vinyl so much. I put it on. I, I, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of anchored at least to the general vicinity of the of the record player while it's on. But I like to listen to, to albums front to back. Now there's there's great albums and there's good albums and there's albums that just have a few good songs. It's like almost like the difference between writing a essay and writing a book, the single versus the the album. I mean, I don't read a lot of essays. I read a lot of books. I like I like to get something I'm going to chew on for a while. I'm not knocking singles. Sometimes singles are really effective, but I'm definitely more of an album guy. And I think that comes from being our age, men of a certain age. We're getting that getting older <laughs> like that. It happens, man. <laughs> I want to take a quick aside here, because this talk about listening to an album straight through has got me wondering, okay? I want to know from you, Ryan, and from you, J-Mac, give me one record, one album that when you put it on, 
it just makes sense to listen to this to it straight through. Like, what's your favorite straight through record? I'll let Ryan go first. <laughs> oh man, one of my favorite albums is by this guy Jimmy Spheris. I don't know if you've ever oh yeah come across him. The Isle of View is the name of the album. <laughs> I love that record. It's I, I just chose it at random at a record store one day, and it, the cover is incredible. So that was what drew me in initially. And then I put put it on. I was like, man, I'm just it's got such a different vibe. Yeah, very heavy. Um, but in like just emotional, the the music and the production, it, it kind of started at work actually. <laughs> like I would put it on at work <laughs> and just listen to it over and over again all the way through. And now I think it's kind of like Pavlov's dog. Like if I hear yeah. that first note, I have to like make it to the end of the album. I okay. So let me say I had a similar experience with finding that record. I think I found that at a thrift store, and I bought it because the cover looked cool. It has like this guy. Uh, it's like a it's like a woodcut illustration of a man in a in armor. Like on is it on is he riding a dragon or something like that? Yes, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> and then when you listen to it, it's like. It's like a journey that it takes you on. Maybe for your listeners, um, Jimmy Spheris, his sister is Penelope Spheris, who oh, wow. directed um, Wayne's World. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I got to look it up now. Yeah. Jimmy Spheris, I Love You. Go look it up on Spotify after you listen to Yeah. Uh... <laughs> my album is it's actually three albums. Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, and Animals. Those three Pink Perfect Floyd examples. albums. Anytime I put on one of those albums, I have to finish it. I, yeah. I can't like put on side one of Animals and then not put on side two. I can't put on Dark Side of the Moon without listening to side two. And yeah. I like to listen to it in vinyl because I, I think it's it, it there's more there's more uh nuance to it. Same thing with Wish You Were Here. So those those are my three albums. I know they're more mainstream than that, but they're definitely albums I feel like are albums. Well, that's a, those are perfect examples too. Cause those are albums meant to be listened to straight through. Like they are full on concept records. Yeah. I dig it, man. You know, um, there are so many records for me as well that I love, love to listen to front to back, but the one that I think maybe doesn't get talked about as much. Um, and it's a, it's a Paul McCartney record. Uh, it's kind of like the indie rock Bible now. But if if there's anyone out there that hasn't listened to his 1971 record Ram straight through, you're missing out. I knew you were going to say that album. I knew you were going to say it. Yeah, it's it's literally it's, you know, everybody knows that listens to our show. They know that we love the Beatles, but (laughs) it's one of those records that it got it got really torn apart when it was released. Um, It got really bad reviews. A lot of people were still pissed uh, about the Beatles breakup. And on top of that, it was listed as Paul and Linda McCartney as the artists on it. But it really is the first Wings record. Um, And it really is a masterpiece, too. I mean, there's there's moments on there with like backseat in my car that kind of get into like this Brian Wilson kind of a vibe, similar things to what he was doing with like Surf's Up. And you can tell that Paul was influenced by that. There's songs like Hard the Country that are kind of like in the same vein as Blackbird, but maybe a little bit more uh, upbeat. And, and, uh, and of course, there's like the counterpoint of Uncle Admiral, 
uh, Uncle Albert uh, Admiral Halsey. There was like a big hit off of that. Anyway, go and check it out. If you've never listened to it straight through, it really is like this gem of an album that just kind of takes you on a journey as well. So I, I can't not talk about that. Right <laughs> I feel like that was maybe one of our first conversations. Sam was talking about that album. You've been preaching that for a long, long time now. I love it. Like a broken record, huh? Yeah, there you go. Ryan, I've heard that speech at least five times. <laughs> well, now all of our listeners have too. So the circle is complete. It's a good album, and I know I know Sam uh, is a huge McCartney fan, and it shows in his work. Let your let your Maca flag fly. <laughs> <laughs> Love that Maca flag, folks. Maca flag. Just want to point that out. Not Maga Maca. Mac- oh wait, no, no, we're not getting into that. <laughs> nope, not on this show. Thanks for clarifying that, Ryan. We definitely yeah. want people to know. I just want to know one more thing, Ryan. I want to know if people and our listeners want to go and find out more about Yahoo and what you guys are up to. Where do they go? Well, we kind of we have a website. <laughs> it's fairly sparse. Uh, I encourage everyone to read our bio section. I'm pretty proud of it. All right. It's just yahooband.com. Y e a h huh h u h. Yes, band.com. That is the correct website. Um, and then we have Instagram. We're on SoundCloud and Bandcamp too. So yeah, just kind of the usual suspects social media wise. And of course on Spotify. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Good. For two tape decks and a mixing board, my name is Jay Mack. And I'm Sam Wade. And I'm Ryan Taylor. Saying until next episode. Stay Stay cosmic. Cosmic.